I'm Liz, your host and the wife and mom behind Unedited Motherhood. Together, we'll talk about all the struggles that we face as adults. Nothing is off limits. We'll uncover important truths and maybe even learn some tips to make our lives a little simpler and a lot more enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me here at Unedited Motherhood. This is my first podcast episode and I'm so excited to start this series with you called Food Talk. Today we'll be discussing fad diets. I have a couple thoughts that I want to share with you before we dive into some great information. One, when I say fad diet, I'm just referring to the popularity and not the credibility of these diets. Two, when I use the word diet over and over, I don't mean weight loss diet. A lot of people associate the word diet with weight loss, and I try to break that up a few times throughout this episode, but I just want to say that up front so that whenever I say diet, you're not thinking negatively about the fact that you'd want to lose weight by doing this diet. I just mean it as like an eating regimen in general. Now, I have two reasons for wanting to talk about fad diets, specifically at the beginning of this series. One, I get a lot of questions from friends and family about what eating protocol my husband and I follow, and while what we eat doesn't fit into one box of any of these diets, um, I do have some different thoughts and some different things that I cherry pick about what I like from each of them, so I thought I would answer some of the most common questions I get about them in this episode. And two... At the beginning of the new year is when a lot of people make resolutions and start eating a little bit differently. And I wanted to just touch on these in case you have friends or family that might have some questions about these diets or you're interested in making a change to the way you eat yourself. So I hope you enjoy this information and let's dive in. Over the course of this episode, I'm going to talk about seven different eating regimens. We're going to start with Weight Watchers and then move on to AIP, which is the autoimmune protocol, the Whole30, Paleo, Keto, Vegan, and then we're going to end with plant-based. So for each of these eating regimens, I give a brief overview, what you do and do not eat on each of them, and then the benefits and the risks of each one. Hopefully, hearing a little synopsis of each of these side-by-side will help you compare and decide what you do and don't like about each of them and whether one of them is going to be a good fit for you and your family. So let's get started with Weight Watchers. Now, Weight Watchers was actually just developed by a woman who was sick of being overweight. And so one day she just decided, I'm going to switch things up. And so she wrote out this kind of plan and she got some of her friends together and they started following this eating plan that she had kind of conjured up. And it was just a real casual thing. There was no, you know, business motive behind it. Um, She just wanted to lose weight. This was in 1961. So by 1963, it had turned into a business. People had started franchising it and Um, It kind of spread throughout the country and there were meetings, you know, these home meetings that she had started in 1961 um, were happening all over the country. Um, It still wasn't the point system that it is today, but that was its humble beginning. Um, Flash forward to the late 90s, mid to late 90s, um, my mom was doing this diet. And so there are a few things that I remember from my childhood. 
I'm giving away my age here. <laughs> um, but she would go to these meetings, weekly check-ins, I think they were, and you got a paper clip for every pound that you lost and you wore it like as a necklace to symbolize your success with the diet. And I remember her leader, I, w- I had to go to a couple meetings with her and her leader had a paper clip necklace that was like down to her knees. Um, so, you know, an effective diet. <laughs> um, so now what do we eat on this diet? And in short, you can eat anything. Um, the only caveat being that you only have so much that you can eat in a day. So while there are no eliminated food groups based on your weight, your current weight and your goals, um, you're given a number of points uh, that you can consume in a day. And it's kind of like counting calories like my Fitness Pal or other programs that um, kind of give you a limit and then you log everything you eat up into, you know, your designated caloric intake. This is very similar. Um, I remember when my mom was doing this when I was a kid and I actually found this on eBay when I was doing my research today. She had this thing called a points finder and it was like a little sliding scale that you first lined up how much fiber and calories were in it. So found the number of fiber grams and then matched it to the amount of calories in the item. And then based on where the fat landed, that's how many points this was worth. So that was, that was a simplified way to calculate the points in any given food item if it wasn't in their repertoire of items that were already calculated for you. And they did have them already calculated for you. I remember even in the 90s, you know, my mom didn't, I mean, she did have cookbooks, but she also had these kind of like the, the big thick coupon books that you get. It was a book that had foods and their, their point values in them. So you could have anything you wanted, but you just had to log every single item that you ate and you had to calculate the value of each of those items. And once you hit your, your limit, then you couldn't eat anymore. So the benefits of this diet are that you, you generally speaking, will lose weight. Um, logging foods can be very beneficial if you have never done an experiment or any kind of food logging exercise. Um, that can be really eye-opening, especially if you feel like you're in a food rut or you've been trying to shed a few extra pounds and you just can't figure out why. Sometimes just writing down everything you eat for several days can be um, a great exercise to learn a little bit more about your eating habits. And then the other benefit, which is really one of, in my opinion, the only great things about this diet is that it doesn't exclude any food groups. Um, And I think that that's important. Uh, We'll get into that in a little bit. But the risks are where I feel like this diet takes a serious nosedive. Um, I am totally anti-weight loss diet mentality. So limiting or restricting the amount of calories, you know, protein, fat, whatever in a day, um, or even just major food groups, um, 
I think that can be very harmful. I think it teaches us bad habits when it comes to food. Um, when you think about kids, you know, what do they always want? Sweets. And one, yes, they're addictive and delicious. But I also think it's because we restrict how many sweets they can have. So it makes them want it even more. Um, I saw a child nutritionist say that by leaving a jar of cookies open on the table all the time, your child is more likely to self-regulate the amount of sweets that they consume and that this was, you know, a healthy thing to do because you're not teaching them that it's something to be restricted or withheld, but that it's something that they can like everything else that you put on their plate, that they can self-regulate and find a good balance of how much should be consumed. How many times do we use food as a reward or a treat for a job well done? It's like, oh, well, when, when we finish this diet, we'll have this. Or if we stay within this range, we'll have this. Or we're going to eat healthy all week and then we're going to have a cheat day. Or I didn't eat well this week, so I'm not going to have dessert. You know, we set all these limitations and we use food as a term of reward or punishment. And I think that can create unhealthy um, dynamic between ourselves and food. So that's one of the things about Weight Watchers that I don't like because I don't, I don't think that that's a healthy thing to do. That diet mentality, I think it, it creates uh, overindulgence on the flip side one of the other, it's not really a risk, but a, a con, I would say, is that you do have to track everything you eat. So if you've ever had to do this for like blood sugar monitoring, um, I did this while I was pregnant, I had to monitor my blood sugar for five days and you have to write down everything you eat. And it can be tedious. Um, I think now with the assistance of being able to do it digitally, that does make it easier, but you still feel... I think for me, I would feel like was a, a big chore and kind of not something that I would look forward to doing, kind of felt obligated like I had to do it. And one of the things that that creates is people yo-yoing on and off of this diet. I think they get sick of tracking everything and they think, well, I, I know how much I can eat in a day because I've been doing it for however long, so I'm not going to write everything down anymore. And then they slowly start increasing their intake because, and because they do that, you know that it's not sustainable the way that it's designed. If you, by eliminating writing everything down, slowly start eating more and more and more, then you have been, you know, withholding um, yourself from eating you know, a, a proper amount. I think that most of us have pretty good intuition. And as long as it's not overindulging, um, we, we can listen to our bodies and know when we're full and when we've had enough of something without the pressure of only being allowed to have a certain amount of points or calories in a day. So that's Weight Watchers in a nutshell. Um, if you are just going at it to lose weight, then 
you will most likely be successful, but I would not call this um, a healthy, sustainable food plan, eating plan. Um, Which brings us to our next eating regimen. That's what I'll call them, eating regimens, because not all of these diets, people associate the word diet with weight loss, and that's really not an accurate representation of that word. So eating plan, we're going to call it an eating plan. The next one is called AIP. It's the autoimmune protocol. This is a diet that was developed specifically for people that suffered from autoimmune disorders. um, And it really helped them manage their symptoms with food. So um, it also can help with IBS type things. It's, it's very restrictive. It's probably other than, you know, a totally animal product free diet, which is a totally different diet. I think this is probably the most restrictive diet on, on this list that we're going to talk about today. Um, it eliminates grains, dairy, Um, If you're familiar with the paleo diet, it's kind of like a paleo style diet, but then it does also eliminate eggs, coffee, nuts and seeds, and nightshades. Um, And if you do suffer with autoimmune issues or you feel like your health has gotten to a place where you can't figure out, you're eating something that's bothering you and you just can't figure it out, you've tried eliminating this and that, um, this might be a protocol that you would want to look into. For people that really struggle with serious autoimmune diseases, this is a diet that they do stay on long-term. Now, there are phases to this diet where you eliminate and then reintroduce different foods and you kind of find a balance. The goal is to include every food group. So you want to heal your gut and heal your, your body to a place where you can reintroduce as many foods as possible. But for the people that do struggle and this diet helps them kind of control those symptoms and outbreaks, then you can stay on it as long as you need to. Um, so this is not a weight loss diet so much as a, you know, a way of eating that helps people control, um, side effects from diseases. I don't know that I would give any risks for this. (laughs) Um, the the pure nature of the diet is to benefit people that are struggling with health issues. So, um, while some of the foods that are avoided on this diet are healthy foods, they're avoided for a reason because they could cause inflammation. Um, so being able to reintroduce them as a sign that your body has healed and being able to move on from this diet would be a huge success. Definitely talk to your healthcare practitioner if you feel like you struggle with foods that cause inflammation or if you feel like you have symptoms of an autoimmune disorder um, because this diet might be helpful for you. Next, we are going to talk about the Whole30. This is also one that I would totally refrain from using the word diet about because it is not, it was not written as a diet or weight loss diet, which it is used for a lot these days. And we'll get into my experience with the whole 30 because I have done it, um, twice now, um, in the next episode. But today I just want to talk about 
you know, what it is, um, kind of that same sequence, what it is, what you eat on it, the benefits, and then the risks. So we already established this is not, this was not meant to be a health food, like a sustainable, healthy diet lifestyle or a weight loss diet. It was meant to be a 30 day reset to reestablish a healthy relationship with the food that you eat. So what you can have on this diet is unlimited amounts of meat, veggies, nuts, seeds, fats, and then fruit. You can have as much as you want, but they say not to use it as like a dessert because that will fuel your sugar cravings, which leads me to what you cannot have, which is sugar, um, dairy, any kind of grains or legumes. And this is not because those foods are bad. It's because they have been associated with um, either unhealthy cravings or inflammation or other um, reactions like joint pain, um, anxiety, things like that. So it's really just an elimination to get back to like a bare bones, kind of like the caveman diet, um, no baking or you know, scraping together compliant ingredients to recreate unhealthy meals. It's really supposed to be just a whole foods diet for 30 days. And then at which point you reintroduce the different food groups one at a time and um, you log how you feel once you've reintroduced those foods. Um, So the benefits of this diet would be that obviously it is a healthy food diet. So you probably will lose weight. Maybe not. Um, I think a lot of people do lose a couple pounds at least the first time they do it, especially generally the worse your eating was before you do it, the more dramatic effects you have the first time you do it. If you, um, if you are eating pretty healthy before you entered it, then switching to this for 30 days might not have that big of an impact on you. Um, but it can help you lose weight. But what the major benefit out of this program is that most people walk away with are the non-scale victories. So if you're not familiar with that term, that's kind of a term that the Whole30 community has kind of uh, coined and kind of ran with. Um, They call them NSVs. And it's basically every positive outcome from this that's not related to your weight. So it could be things like mental clarity, increased energy, um, less fatigue, an easier time sleeping, better sleep, less food cravings, less sugar cravings, less overindulging, um, you know, less joint pain, less headaches, um, all kinds of things. Um, the list goes, it can be anything on and on and on, um, increased sex drive, um, you know, increased water intake. The, the possibilities really are endless, and that's really where they want you to focus your energy on um, during this program. It's not to lose weight. They tell you one of the rules of the program, actually, is that you're not allowed to weigh during the 30 days because it's not about the scale. It's about the relationship that you're building with these healthy foods, and then when you reintroduce, you keep tabs on how your body and your mind 
react to these foods and then you only reintroduce foods that make you feel great and your best and you learn where to draw a line you know based on that baseline that you create during those 30 days so the risks of this diet I really would only associate for people that are using it as a weight loss diet kind of like Weight Watchers they're staying on this really restrictive um eating plan that doesn't allow them to have certain things. And it's even more dangerous than Weight Watchers in the sense that you're eliminating entire food groups, not having any dairy, grains, sugar. You can even have like natural sweeteners like honey or maple syrup or coconut sugar on this diet. It's very, the only thing that you can use to sweeten things is dates or fruit, other fruit. So it's very, very restrictive. And to not have these things for a long time And then if you don't do the reintroduction phase, you know, the way that they've written it out for you, you're more likely to just rebound and overindulge when those foods are reintroduced. So that would be the number one risk with it. The only other thing that you have to be careful about is um, what your lifestyle is like while you're doing this diet. The second time I did it, I was pregnant. Or I, I'm not. I'm sorry. I wasn't pregnant. I had just given birth. I was breastfeeding. I think I was like ten weeks postpartum, or maybe two or three months postpartum. I can't remember. But I, you know, dropped my carbs completely, and I started having blood sugar issues because I was nursing, 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 and I was not eating enough carbs. So I did have to add things like rice and oats back in. It can be done while you're pregnant and breastfeeding, but I definitely recommend getting online and reading. Also talk to your healthcare practitioner, but getting online and reading some other women's stories of having done it while they were pregnant and breastfeeding. There there are ways to increase your carbs without breaking Whole30 rules like I did. Um, Increasing your potato, you can have potatoes, so potato and sweet potato intake um, and you know, other hearty vegetables, but I definitely would listen to your body and listen to your healthcare practitioner. I ended up having to do that. Um, I did a video conference with her and she was like, yeah, I'm really worried about you. You need to add some grains in. And I was flexible with it. And I still had, you know, great results from those 30 days. So definitely not something, a program that I think everybody needs to do, but if you've been struggling with rebounding from diet to diet and you haven't been able to find something that's sustainable for you I think going through this 30-day program it's you know they call it a 30-day reset Um, it does just kind of wind the clock back to 12 and then you from there can kind of write your own plan and we'll talk a little bit about that in the next episode as well so the next um food regimen that we're going to discuss is the paleo diet. And this was also called the caveman diet. This came around in the seventies and it's just meant to be, you know, a diet of foods that were available for our ancestors. Um, Whatever they could hunt and forage is what's allowed on this diet. So what can you eat? meat, fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, fats, very similar to Whole30 with the exception that you can have natural sweeteners on this as well. 
So those things like honey, maple syrup, and you can also bake or recreate whatever you want using this list of ingredients. So you can, um, I mean, paleo is really big right now. So surely you've already seen on Pinterest or on even Instagram or Facebook, people doing paleo baking, paleo cooking. Um, I followed a lot of those recipes and honestly, if, if you find a good recipe, um, some of these recipes can stand up against, you know, regular wheat and dairy recipes. Now they are going to taste a little bit different, but they're still very enjoyable. So things that you would avoid on this diet, like we just talked about would be grains, dairy, sugar, and beans and other legumes. Um, Technically to be following this plan, you would be eating this way 80% of the time. And then the other 20% of the time, you do not have to be eating and strictly adhering to these guidelines while still being considered eating a paleo diet, which I think is neat because when you think about diets like keto, which we're going to talk about next, it's like you're either doing it or you're not. Um, And I don't like that. I don't like feeling like I'm boxed in. So I I like the flexibility of the paleo diet. I do think that um, that grains and dairy are healthy foods. So avoiding them for no reason is not anything that I would recommend to people. Um, if you have reasons to be avoiding these foods, like an intolerance or an allergy, then I think this is a great diet and I'm always a big fan of avoiding refined sugar. So, you know, it is, this is a trendy fad. Um, I do think that there is, you know, a lot of research that shows that eating only foods that our ancestors ate is wise. Um, but I do think that grains and dairy in the right context and made the right way, um, can be nutritious and healthy for you as well. Which brings us to our next diet. And this one I do think could be considered a diet. This is the keto diet. Uh, this was created in the early 1900s, um, 1911, and it was originally designed for people that had epilepsy. Um, they found that staying on this keto diet would reduce seizures, which is incredible. Um, so this diet basically burns fat instead of carbs. So when you eat this excess amount of fat, your body starts burning through it and puts your system in a state of ketosis where you're rapidly burning this fat that you're eating. So the classic keto diet was designed to be 90% fat, 6% protein, and 4% carbs which if you're familiar with what the standard American diet is, I looked it up. If you're not familiar, let me just let you know right now. The average amount of carb intake for women and men is between 46 and 48%, respectively. Actually, that's backwards, 46 for men and 48 for women. 
the protein intake for men and women is 16%. And then the fat intake is 34%. So as you can see, the fat intake is almost tripled on this diet. And the carb intake is like slashed to pretty much nothing. And then protein is about the same, 15%. Well, it says 6%, but the, the standard keto diet that people are doing today is more like 15% protein, 5% carbs, and then still between like 60 and 80% fat. So foods that you would eat on a keto diet, avocado, fish, fatty cuts of meat like pork um, and red meat, nuts, lots of dairy, and vegetables are allowed as well. Um, those are just the, the big things. Obviously, there's more than just that that you can have, but it really focuses heavily on fat. Like that is your primary thing. You know, they tell you the healthy diet template is to fill your plate with half vegetables and then a quarter meat and a quarter carb. Um, and this just flips that upside down and it's like 75% of your plate should be fats and then a little protein. And I think they would say no carbs if it was possible to do absolutely zero carbs. Um, so what you can't have is sugar. Obviously those are just pure carbs, um, grains, which are also just pure carbs, starchy vegetables, and even fruit is extremely limited. There's berries and maybe some other very low, low carb fruits that are allowed in moderation. Um, but in order to stay in that place of ketosis, you have to keep those, that carb to fat ratio right, or you'll fall out of ketosis. Um, so this diet benefits people that have epilepsy, obviously, um, we talked about that. And then it can also be great for people that have type two diabetes or trouble with their, um, insulin resistance. And there's a slew of other health conditions that it's said to help with, but those are the two main ones. Obviously it was made for epilepsy. So that's the primary one, but also people that, um, have diabetes issues, eliminating those carbs and those sugars will definitely help reg regulate blood sugar. So then the risks of this diet, um, because you are eliminating pretty much all fruit grains and even some starchy vegetables, there's a risk of micronutrient deficiencies, low protein in the blood. And then there's also things like there's no long-term studies over like 10 years that have been done on the effects of staying on this diet long-term. Um, and it's hard to do long-term. Um, if you have epilepsy and it's like absolutely necessary to avoid seizures, which I did read that if people that had ep epilepsy were on this diet and then they went off the diet, the seizure seizures did come back. So for them, if they're wanting to, you know, control those symptoms with food, then this is a diet that they would have to stay on long-term. But for other people that are doing it for weight loss or, you know, to, you know, to get rid of fat and build muscle, um, this is, something that could be risky to stay on long-term because you're missing out on a lot of micronutrients and, um, your body is just constantly burning fat. That's, that's a hard thing to keep up with. Um, 
because it doesn't allow, like the paleo diet, it doesn't allow for any eating off plan. Um, if you do have carbs, you kind of, you have to bounce right back into it or you will fall out of ketosis and it takes a while to get back into it from what people have told me that have done this. And also it can be an unpleasant experience when your body is adjusting to getting rid of those carbs in the body. It's better than Weight Watchers for sure. Um, fat is very healthy and I'm very pro fat. Um, but I am also pro carb and pro protein. So, um, this is definitely one that I would do your own homework on and make sure that for your body, you're still getting all the adequate nutrients that it's going to need to, you know, to keep you going. The last two that we're going to talk about are vegan and plant-based. Now, while these two have been used interchangeably, there are a few core differences, so I, I do have them in their own category. So first, we're going to talk about vegetarian or vegan. Um, this has been around long, long time, um, centuries really, and it wasn't super popular until the 20th century, but even in the last handful of years, it has increased, veganism has increased by 600%. I think it was 2014 to 2017, it increased 600% in those three years. Um, so definitely a lot of people heading this direction for a multitude of reasons. You know, some people do it because they love animals and some people do it because they think it's what's best for their health. So the benefits of this diet would be that it helps people that have high cholesterol, and diabetes and high blood pressure can help with insulin resistance as well. Um, so long as you are absorbing all of the proper nutrients, um, which is difficult to do without animal products. So that would be the risk is nutrient loss. Um, vegan by itself does not mean healthy, just like none of the other diets we talked about by themselves. Um, are healthy either. It's still very important that you are um, researching and making sure that you're getting adequate amounts of um, things like B12, uh, vitamin D, omega-3s, iodine, iron, calcium, choline, zinc, which all of these things that are um, most prevalent in animal products. So without consuming those animal products, you have to work a lot harder to get adequate amounts of those nutrients, which is very important for your overall health. So there's actually a book that talks about um, how to find these nutrients in um, plants. And the book is called Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. Now that sounds misleading. Um, she is primarily talking about how to get those nutrients while you're pregnant. Um, or she wrote the book for pregnant women, but I mean, I would read it and adhere to it even while I'm not pregnant because she myth busts a lot of, um, 
things that we believe about the way we eat and the recommended guidelines for different macro and micronutrients. So definitely would look into supplementing those um, vitamins and nutrients um, without consuming the animal products. So then that leads us to the plant-based diet, um, which is very similar um, with the only caveat that, well, not the only caveat, the main caveat that this eating plan was written with the intention of being a healthy whole foods diet. Um, the inclination I feel like for vegans is I don't want to eat animals. And the inclination for plant-based people is I think plants have more nutrients than meat. So two different approaches, two very similar eating styles. Um, the only thing that I think of right off the top of my head is that vegans are not necessarily healthy, um, because you can still have processed food, processed fake meat, which can actually be just as harmful to your health, um, as, you know, some other boxed processed foods, you know, when you want to swap out beef for, you know, tofurkey or whatever they sell in, in the freezer or the prepackaged area, that stuff is just made of hydrogenated oils, fillers, and, you know, synthetic ingredients. It's, there's no nutrition, there's no quality food in those things. So just being a vegetarian or a vegan does not mean that you are eating healthy foods. Um, my husband has a friend that is, um, he, he's not completely vegan. He does raw dairy. So he, he is egg free and, um, vegetarian otherwise, but they do have dairy but he's like, every time they would come over, I would, you know, be going out of my way to fix all these fancy vegetarian meals. And he was like, yeah, this is great. We don't really eat a lot of vegetables. And I'm just thinking, what do you eat? And really, they just eat a ton of carbs, um, which, you know, whatever fuels their body and they feel great doing, fine. I'm just, my concern with that would be, like, like we talked about, the nutrient loss from not only animal products, but also vegetables. So plant-based diet, on the other hand, has this more whole foods, healthy eating approach. Um, so not only does it largely exclude animal products, but it also excludes processed foods and meats um, and bleached, you know, processed starches as well. So no like white rice or white flour um, no prepackaged meat like bacon and then also foods like tofurkey or the faux cheeses are also excluded from this plant-based diet as well. So between the two, I think that the plant-based approach is definitely um, the healthier way to go. I think for anybody that's health conscious, um, they would agree that the plant-based whole foods, whole grain approach is definitely, you know, the way to eat. And it does allow for high quality, low, 
low amounts of high quality protein. So that would be grass fed and grass finished beef, um, free range and pastured chicken and eggs, um, wild caught fish that's high in omega threes. Um, always watch out for, you know, fish that are, that's high in mercury, um, as that can be harmful to your health. Um, but then also raw dairy, um, if you're curious about that, we will talk a little bit about that in the next episode as well. Um, so yeah, that, that wraps up everything I wanted to talk about today. Um, that's definitely not a completely comprehensive list of food diets, um, or even all the fad diets that are out there right now. That's just the list, um, of ones that I thought were most relevant to the way um, as a society, we are eating today. So please let me know if you have any questions. Um, I would love to hear your feedback, what you thought about this. And if you have any questions, if I were to go a little bit deeper into this topic again in the future. So that's a wrap on this week. Thank you for joining me for today's talk about fad diets. I hope that you learned something new and please reach out, feel free to go to the website, uneditedmotherhood.com and leave me a message or a question if there were things that you wanted to know that we did not cover today. And I would love to revisit the topic again in the future. Also, please tune in next week as I will discuss more in depth on how we eat and the several year journey that we took to get to where that is now. Um, I hope you enjoyed and have a great week.